0: This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. I hope you enjoyed worship, announcements. Uh, Hope you had an opportunity there to just to sow into uh, this ministry and um we thank you for being here i'm excited we're in part three of vision and prayer really going to talk about vision here um and and all that good stuff today so this is part three and excited about this so if you want to turn your bibles to ephesians chapter four i'll meet you there um and we'll have the exact scripture and and uh verse and everything on the screen here shortly but i'm that's where we're going to start in the word and here we go. Let's jump into this today. Um, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in and through us as a community, and I pray today that people are encouraged with respect to what God has purposed them to do, what God has designed and orchestrated for them individually, personally, and intimately. I pray that What they are called to do, they're encouraged in it today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. All right. So here we go, guys. Um, We're talking about vision and prayer. Um, Just came out of a fast, and we're in part three. Okay. This is the last part. So we're going to join today the last two parts of our vision as a church, Hope Land Church's vision, um, and the last two parts here. But so here we go. Um, Our vision as a church. Hopeland Church, this local body, exists, um, exists so that you can encounter God, walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose, and change your world. I'm going to say it again. This is why we exist. Everything we do as a local church, we um, we filter it through this. Are, are we fulfilling this? Is, does this, what we're doing, line up with this? Is our approach accurate according to we, the vision we feel God has given us? And so I'll say it again, we exist as a church so that you can encounter God, walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose, so you can go and change your world. And so um, this vision that we believe God has given us um, and how he's dropped it into our spirit and heart and, and, and in this community is, is like this process, if you will, uh, for people, Um and so it's kind of like encounter God, and I'm going to just explain our vision a different way so you can kind of see maybe a different part of it if we were to unpack it. But encounter God, you know, that's salvation, right? Um, and I understand we can have encounters beyond salvation, but just for all intents and purposes, just hear me out here, um, and this is going to lead to what we're going to talk about today. But um, salvation, and salvation in our walk with God leads to um, sanctification, and that's walking in freedom. So we encounter God, it's his grace. We, we get saved or we receive insight and revelation for, for our life and, 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 and who God is and who we are and all that good stuff, so salvation. And salvation leads, encounters with God lead to sanctification, that we learn how to walk this out. We talked about this last week. So it's salvation leads to sanctification, and sanctification, the inward work of the Holy Spirit within our soul in our life, leads to vocation. It leads to the discovery of purpose. The fulfillment of purpose is finding out what we are called to do specifically. So so if you even look at people in the scripture, right, they, they, that they had a counter with God, then they go through this process of Sanctification, this process of God working stuff in and out of them, like, Lord, you know, like being healed and, and being delivered and um, you know, getting more solid and strong in faith or whatever it is. But there was always this process after the encounter. So once again, salvation leads to sanctification and sanctification leads to vocation, the discovery of why I am here right? And vocation, the discovery of purpose, um, leads to commission, a commitment, an action of some sort. So there it is. That's our vision, really. What is our vision about? It's about salvation of the human soul, leading to sanctification of the human soul, leading to vocation, which leads to commission, okay? And so, um, or you could even translate commission to Action, right? Um, committing to this calling of changing our world. So there you go. I'm going to say it one more time: Salvation leads to sanctification. Sanctification leads us to vocation, and vocation leads us to commission. If we're not careful, okay? This is where we're going today. As Christ followers, uh, we can become professional church attenders. Can I get an amen, somebody? that we just do church, we do church well, we go to church, I grew up in church, I've been in church for years, I go to church, I go to this place, we sing some songs, they open the Bible, I go home, and continue on with my life. And so if we're not careful as Christ followers, we can become professional church attenders. Um, or just, that's what we do, that's where we go, we go to this place, right, and we do this thing, right? And so, and God's heart, and the vision of our church is that people don't become professional church attenders, but actually, become people that discover and fulfill God's purpose and go and change their world, and so and so that's what we're going to talk about today. The last two parts of our vision, which is which is um, fulfilling God's purpose and changing your world. Okay, and so uh, we don't want to become professional church attenders. We, if we're not careful, we can, that can happen. As opposed to being Holy Spirit filled, gent. Demonstrators, okay. I was going to say generators, but I don't think that works. But you go, you know what I mean. Paul said, "I did not come with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but I came in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power." And so that's where this thing leads, uh, called walking with God. Christ followers. We're Christ followers, not church attenders. We attend church. We come to church, right? But we must. Really preach what this is, and this is about following Christ, walking with God, knowing God, doing what he's called us to do, and so uh, once again, I'm here to tell you, to encourage you, to challenge you. God is not calling you to just be a faithful church attender. He's calling you to fulfill his purpose and change your world, all right? So that's the first one here, fulfill God's purpose, all right? Um, Look at somebody, if you have anybody around you, and tell them it is time to fulfill God's purpose, all right? God moves in our life with respect to his purpose, not ours. God moves and favors us in our life with respect to his agenda, not ours, okay? And so that's why in our vision, I we were very intentional that we didn't call it your purpose because at the end of the day, it is God's, it is given to us, it is revealed to us, and then we have the privilege and the responsibility to live it out, all right? So here it is. When we speak of purpose, and I know we can go all different kind of ways with this, but we're going to talk about purpose with respect to how God has designed you, right? That this is very specific. I believe that there's like this, the will of God that is for all of us, giving thanks in all circumstances, like that is God's will for all of us, but in speaking of purpose, it's it's really your why. And so your why, quote unquote, your why, W-H-Y, my why, is directly connected to how God has gifted me, okay? Uh, and so we're going to talk about this. And so you are gifted, okay? And yes, I understand there's spiritual gifts, there's talents, there's natural abilities. And we're not, I'm not, this isn't a teaching on spiritual gifts, but it is to talk about that you are gifted spiritually in Christ. Now, you have talents too, and God has gifted you with those. And, and those can and, and will come into play, even in with respect to what we're going to talk about today, okay? So I'm not trying to differentiate maybe a, a talent God gave you versus an actual spiritual gift, okay, per se today, all right? I'm just talking about how God has um, kind of... Um, From a macro level, the way he has designed you, wired you, framed you, gifted you, the talents he's given you, the desire for things, the drive, all that stuff, all of who you are is tied to why you're here, okay? And so here it is. When it comes to fulfilling God's purpose, we must come to terms with the truth that we are divinely gifted by God for his purpose. I'm gonna read this again, okay? And so this is it right here. We must, if we are going to fulfill God's purpose um, from the onset, we must come to terms with the truth that we all are divinely gifted by God to fulfill God's purpose. Purpose. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 7 to 10. Okay? We must come to terms with the truth, the absolute truth, that we are divinely gifted by God for God's purpose. Okay? That's where it's, this is what we're going to talk about. You're gifted, you're talented, you're called, you're anointed, like God has given you all that. Okay? Hopefully, this encourages you, but it also Will challenge us. Amen? Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, somebody say, That's me. Somebody say, That includes me. But to each one of us, grace was given. Somebody say, That's me. Somebody say, Thank you, Lord, for grace. Thank you, Lord, for charisma. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8, therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Gave gifts to men, say that's me. It's not just men, male. It's it's mankind, humanity. He gave gifts to men. Verse 9. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? It's breaking down death, burial and resurrection. And it's look at this. This is so powerful. It's speaking of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in that, like a, a direct consequence, if I could call it a secondary consequence of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was the giving of grace to every person, right? And when we come to Christ, when we become a temple of the Holy Spirit, when Christ in us, the hope of glory. When he dwells in us, we are given gifts, spiritual gifts, and that, and they are given for his purpose. Okay. And so he says he gave gifts to men. Verse nine. Now this he ascended. What does it mean that he also dispersed, descended the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God that he might fill all things. Somebody say, I'm gifted. All right, I'm gifted. It's grace. It says it's grace here. It's gifts. Okay, it comes from the same root word. Grace, gift, favor. It's all charisma. It is given. It is It is divine. And it is in you. Okay? And so here it is. Grace is given for a reason. When, I, when we speak of gifts, okay? We're talking about fulfilling God's purpose. And that's why we must come to terms with that we are gifted. That we have grace. Why? Why must we come to terms with that? Because it is the truth. Because it's what Jesus died, buried, and rose again for. He gave gifts to men. And then in this verse, we're not going to read on, it starts to break down five unique spiritual gifts that are in the body of Christ, okay? And there's more spoken of in Romans 12, as well as in 1 Corinthians in the context of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I mean, there's a lot there. Concerning another group of spiritual gifts. The gifts of the spirit. There's gifts in Romans 12. There's gifts represented and talked about in detail in Ephesians 4. Somebody say, I'm gifted. All right. Somebody say, I'm gifted by God. All right. So here we go. Why is it so important to come to terms with this as well? It's because. Um, here it is. This, is. this is my point. No grace equals no purpose. Okay. No grace, no purpose. But. Because of grace, we have purpose. We have purpose because of grace. We have a function, a reason, a why in the earth. Why? Because grace is given to me to fulfill it, okay? Grace is requisite to the fulfilling of purpose. We don't do divine purpose without grace because we need divine enablement. We need divine influence. To fulfill the divine will. We need the divine nature in order to do a divine work. Somebody say amen. It is not me. It is him and me. All right. So, so God graces us with gifts and these, um, gifts are designed to enable us to do his will. All right. God graces all of us with spiritual gifts, and these gifts enable us to do the divine will. Somebody say amen, all right? You gotta stir up the gifts within you. You gotta fan the flame of the gift. You have to rekindle the gift. You gotta stir up the gift within you, all right? So think about this. Jesus died, buried, rose again, gave gifts to men grace given to man multiple gifts all kind of gifts given to the body and specifically there are gifts that have been given to you and think about this he did all that to gift us so we can do his will on the earth so how does it make god feel when we deny that grace when we bury that gift, if you will, when we suppress the divine grace, when we say, oh no, not me, that person's gifted over there, not me, I don't have a gift, I, you know, I just love the Lord, I just wanna love the Lord, I just wanna love the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise God that you just wanna love the Lord, but how about loving the Lord and using your gifts? Right. Oh, you know, I just, you know, I just, I just want to worship and just, you know, I just want to study my Bible and just, you know, I just want to be a good, I just want to be a Christian in my heart. Uh-huh. Amen. Do you know what being a Christian in your heart is? Do you know what loving the Lord is? It is obeying his will by his grace. It is stirring up the divine gifts in you and operating in them, exercising them. Can I get an amen? You got to stir up the gift, folks. You got to step into that thing. You got to, number one, believe God that it is there. Thank him that they are there. Uh, you know, and and begin to discover them in your own prayer time. Operate in them in real life. So how does it make God feel when we deny that grace, sir? Or, um, or we talk ourselves out of them right and refuse to accept this grace and we start to say no that person they're gifted over there they're, that's what they're called to do come on how does that make the lord feel right and i'm, I'm gonna read some verses now just about what god has put in you okay so i'm gonna kind of rattle off a few here okay just to give you some verses okay just different verses they're, they're all in a different context and there, there, there's a lot more to these verses maybe in a way that we you could go back. So I want to just read through them and just encourage you that this is part of God's heart for you. This is the gospel. This is being a Christian. This is walking with God. This is, you know, this is directly connected to you fulfilling God's purpose. So here we go. I got a few verses here. Proverbs chapter 20, verse five. Proverbs chapter 20, verse five. Counsel, that word counsel in the Hebrew means plan, purpose, somebody say purpose, design, okay? So so plan, purpose, design, and counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, okay? You got some deep water in you. You have deep profound design, purpose, plan, and counsel inside of you. You are deeper than you think. You are more profound than you think. There is more dimension to you than you think. And there's more dimension to you than what other people think of you. Why? Because the scripture says that there is deep water in us. Okay. It's like deep water, but A man of understanding will draw it out. Hallelujah. Divine purpose, divine plan, divine design is in you and it is like deep water. The deep calls unto the deep at the sound of your water brooks. Oh God, there is a depth in you, in Christ, that is profound and it is like deep water. The question is, will you Draw it out. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Quickly, Philippians chapter one, verse five. Being confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you, not for you, not toward, no, in you, he who began a good work in you, divine gifts, the working of God in you, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ God has begun a profound deep and spiritual work in you and he will see to it that it is completed Philemon Philemon chapter 1 there's only one chapter in Philemon verse 7 I love this verse I kind of share it a lot whenever I'm talking about spiritual gifts or anything like this because I love it I love this verse um, spoke to me years and years ago and I can can never quite get away from it when I speak about these things. But here it is, Philemon, verse seven. That the sharing of your faith uh, may become effective, okay? That's the word, where where we get the word energy, effective, it's power, okay? Uh, Energio in the Greek. I don't know if, I don't think that's how they said it, but that's kind of how I can pronounce it. Uh, May become effective. The sharing of your faith The sharing of your faith, somebody say purpose, may become effective by what? How? How? How can the sharing of my faith be effective? How? Here it is. By what? The acknowledgement, okay, of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Look at, stop denying The good thing in you in Christ the spiritual gifts you say you might even be at a place where you're like I don't know what they are. That's better than denying. What is there? Don't deny it. It's okay to be unaware uh, But you keep seeking God and that gifts gonna make room for you. You keep praying you you keep worshiping you You stay in the will of God you keep serving him you get connected to the right people the, the, the right people, the right folks in your life, you uh, learn to be led by the spirit of God. I'm telling you, you're going to walk in those gifts. Those gifts are going to manifest. They sure will. They sure will. Okay? And so this is this is how we're most effective. When we just, the, the base foundational starting point of divine purpose is simply to acknowledge that yes, Lord, you have put Christ in me. Greatness in me, the Great One, the Sovereign One, the Holy Spirit in me, and He has come with gifts. Prophecy, serving, giving, right? Um, tongues, interpretation of tongues, working of miracles, um, gifts of healings, hospitality, helps. These are gifts, leadership, teaching, these are all spiritual gifts, and you don't have to be a pastor, preacher, bishop, minister, minister to to be given gifts. The body is given gifts. They're for the body. They're for everybody. He didn't. It doesn't say he gave gifts to pastors. It says he gave gifts to men. Somebody say Amen. So acknowledgement. This is this is where we're going to get in, in in your pursuit of God, in your walk with God, in your own prayer time, in your. Growing in your relationship with Jesus, your perception is going to get sharper. Your ability to discern is going to get sharper. Your ability to know what God put in you, you're going to discover these things. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. All right. So um, let me read it again. I'm going to give you the definition of acknowledgement. I just want to read this verse again. Philemon 1.7, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Acknowledgement means this, it means perception. It means discernment, it's a spiritual word, all right? This is how we become most effective when we start to be, a, it really, it means intuition. It's just God's gonna reveal, God's gonna show you, okay? And sometimes, uh, you know, prophetic utterances or people ministering to you can kind of identify something that you have no idea, you're like, What? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this, I'm going to do this, I don't see that. And praise God, that can happen. That can activate things, that can kind of impart things, it sure can. And we'll look at another verse soon concerning that. But, but the point is that God is going, even in that context, God is going to give you the ability to see, discern. Why? The scripture says that we can perceive, discern, and have a recognition and intuition of the good thing God put in us. And we, we can, we become effective by the ability to perceive, discern, recognize, and have an intuitiveness to us in the spirit to say, I know what this thing is in me, all right? Because when we acknowledge, discern, and recognize, and have the ability to perceive what God put in us, we inadvertently find ourselves positioned where he wants us. Can I get an amen, somebody? There's so much more to discovering the divine gifts in you than just simply being encouraged that you're gifted. It's attached to where you're positioned. It's attached to who you align with. It's attached to your boundaries. Right where you're gifted internally helps to create healthy boundaries externally. Can I get an amen? You're not gonna you're not gonna connect with the wrong people when you're walking in what you're gifted to do, or just knowing where you're gifted, how you're positioned in the body, it helps to keep those boundaries there. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right, here we go. We got a couple more. Here's go, here we go. First Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. We're talking about um, fulfilling God's purpose. 1 um, Timothy 4, 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. You're basically telling him, stay in your calling. Verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Do not neglect the gift that is in you I don't care what other people have said I don't care what other people have done I don't care what your own mind is telling you you're not or you can't do not neglect the gift that is in you this word neglect in the Greek it means viewing something as being without significance or being careless come on somebody spiritual gifts are a lesson in responsibility and stewardship. They are a lesson in acknowledging God's sovereign grace for you and to you and our, as a secondary consequence of grace, of divine endowment, of spiritual gifts in and on your life. The secondary consequence of that tells us that we, as the body of Christ, we are responsible We are accountable. We are stewards of the mysteries of God that he has placed inside of us. That's why Paul told Timothy, his son in the faith, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Do not view the gift of God as something that is insignificant. And do not, Timothy, be careless with what God has placed in and on your life, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. I'm telling you, who you are submitted to spiritually matters. Who lays hands on you matters. When it comes to what you're called to do, what you're gifted to do, Paul's like, man, don't neglect this thing. I've labored in my own life to to serve the local church and to serve you and to be a mentor to you, Timothy, right? He's like, don't neglect this as a result of the prophecy and the laying on of my hands. Come on now, somebody. It matters who your pastor is. It matters who is some type of spiritual authority in your life. It matters. It matters. It says it right here, right here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It matters who lays hands on you. All right, verse 15. He continues to encourage him. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Here it is, that your progress may be evident to all. Hallelujah. Here's another verse. Let's go. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verses six to seven. Let me read this. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Don't neglect the gift of God, but here it says stir up. Somebody say stir up the gift. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Look at through the laying on of my hands. I'm gonna say it again. It matters who you are spiritually submitted to. It matters who your pastor is. Whatever you want to call him, your bishop, your apostle, your, 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 your spiritual parents, your whatever. You know what I mean. Whatever it is, but the but here's the point. It just it matters because man, you can see the connection here to the Apostle Paul, spiritual leader in the local church. Timothy, another leader, a true leader. He was sending him to churches and cities to help him lead and pastor these communities, and it's connecting Timothy's purpose, divine spiritual gifts to the leader that was a part of stewarding counseling pastoring and and praying for it laid hands on this man and it was connected to who he was submitted to i'm telling you it matters verse seven for god has not given you a spirit of fear i know we use that scripture all the time we have our kids say it all the time right but for god has not given you a spirit of fear but a power of love and a sound mind why, why is he saying that it's in the context of spiritual gifts Okay, and and, and, in 1 Timothy, the first letter, he's like, don't neglect it. Second letter, he's like, stir it up, man. Kept reminding him, kept reminding him. And he says it even in the context of this. Therefore, I remind you. So he said it before this. This wasn't the first time Paul encouraged him to stir up the gift of God. As I said before, spiritual gifts are more of a lesson in God's sovereign grace first and our responsibility second okay so giftedness giftedness from a biblical perspective is a lesson in accountability and stewardship and not self-exaltation i know in our world in our human nature giftedness is a cause for self-exaltation it happens in the church all the time and we got to be careful we got to be watchful that giftedness is my gifting is not for me It's given to me for others. It's always for others. Um, Spiritual gifts are not for self-exaltation. They are for service. That's what they are for. My purpose is to serve others, period. That is what purpose is. Come on, somebody. Um, it's It's not about me. It's not about me, me being elevated, me having open doors, me doing this, me, fulfilling this, me, you know, uh, my purpose. This, from a biblical perspective, spiritual gifts are given to people so they can serve others in a supernatural way. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. This word stir up. In first Timothy, sorry, second Timothy one six. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Come on, lay hands on somebody next to you and tell them, stir it up. Come on, find somebody, put your hands on them, say, stir it up. Right? So, stir it up in the Greek, in the Greek. It's a compound word. It's like three words put together. This is what it means. Okay? It means to stir the fire. It has a condemnation to living, the word that speaks of life and living and fire. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a mashup of three unique words. There's like a preposition in there, means upward, right? It, it has this word that speaks of living or like a living creature, it's just a, a derivative of the word living and then fire. And so, and so our English way of translating it, we're like, stir up the fire, right? Or, uh, fan the flame up. It means to resuscitate, to bring to life again. Many people in the body, they are gifted, they are graced, they have been endowed by Jesus, but their gifts are not dead, but they need to be stirred up, they they are dormant, they need to be resuscitated, right? They need to be awakened, if you will, come to life again. Revive the gifts in the body, oh God. Revive us, not so we can walk around saying, oh, I'm so gifted in this. Oh, I got this, I do this, I can do this. I can, no, it's for others. It's for others. Come on, it is for others, okay? It is for others. There is this, grace speaks of our responsibility. Charisma speaks of the stewardship given to humanity to serve humanity right so so here it is this this this, this, is there must be this this following action this kind of this movement we aren't grace, so we can sit around and just talk about how graced we are we're not grace so we can just talk about how gifted we are they are given so we can do something with them all right so here is um, the next point here, and it's a, the, the last point of our vision, which is we exist so you can change your world. You are gifted to change your world. You are supernaturally endowed by God's grace. When Jesus rose again from the dead, he gave gifts to men. You are endowed by that grace in accepting him and receiving him, right? And, 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 and becoming one, one with God in Christ, that, 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 that he is in you, you are in him right? You are a temple of the living God. You have spiritual gifts inside of you. Why? So you can change your world. We can't change anything eternally. If we haven't first encountered God, somebody say amen. If we haven't first uh, learned how to be sanctified and walked with God through sanctification and cleansing and healing and deliverance, somebody say walk in freedom. We can't Fulfill God's purpose and we can't um, change anything eternally if we have not discovered what God has put in us in a divine way. We, we cannot and we can not change anything eternally if we don't get up and do something. All right. So think about this here. Let me give you this and then we're going to read a verse. Everything God is doing in your life right now is leading you to some sort of action. Faith without works is dead. Whatever God is doing now, it is leading you to act in some way. After Jesus rose again from the dead, they're like, man, we need, what are we going to call this book here? We're going to call it Acts of the Apostles. It's time to mobilize. All right? It is time to mobilize, to go and to do. This is how we change the world. We must first discover and accept and acknowledge and discern and um, have the intuition by the Holy Spirit that this is who I am and what I am called to do and how I am gifted to do it. And next we must act. Here it is. Mark chapter 16, verse 14 to 15. I'm gonna read it quickly. This is after his death, burial and resurrection. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the tables and he rebuked their unbelief. And hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen verse 15 here we go And he said to them go somebody say action he said to them in other words go change your world go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature hallelujah come on now here's my last point answer the call to action answer the call to action. I'm not going to read this verse. I'll just give you the chapter. It's around the middle of chapter Luke, Luke chapter 19. Um, and uh, ch- verses 12 and 13 are kind of in the middle of that. But it's the parable of the Minas. And it, it was a parable that Jesus shared. It was a certain nobleman, and um, he went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And so he called 10 of his servants and he delivered to them 10 Minas. Okay? And said to them do business do somebody say do do business till I come do business till I come it's a parable of Jesus he's coming back and he's saying to us now another way of saying that transliterating that is occupy and conquer until I come do business until I come be about the father's business take action move Mobilized. When the church didn't move out of Jerusalem in the first part of the book of Acts, persecution came. Once persecution came, they scattered and they actually started to mobilize. And they moved into the Gentile world. They they, they moved geographically. Okay. They they started to spread the gospel. Movement. Movement. It is requisite that we take action in our faith. Okay. Complaining and the making of excuses can be indicators that were not occupied with his purpose. Come on, somebody. in, in 1 Timothy 4.15, my last verse, this is my last verse. It, it, I'm gonna read the last part of the one I just read. Meditate on these things. He said, in speaking of uh, Timothy, he wanted him to stir up the gift, and he was saying, give yourself entirely to them. Why? That your progress, somebody say movement, that your progress, may be evident to all. And this word progress in the Greek it means advancement by chopping down whatever impedes progress. It was, a, it was a word used in antiquity concerning armies and pioneers that would go into territories and they would tear down what was in the way and they would establish um, societies. And so spiritually, that's what we're called to do, to be pioneers, to to chop down whatever impedes our progress in the gospel. It means to take action, to move. So let me encourage you today. You are gifted. You are called. You're anointed. You're grace. So what do I do now? Answer the call to action. Answer the call to what God is calling you to do. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.